Church, let's stand and sing to our everlasting God. Uh, let me read to you this uh, 
this from many, many years ago, uh, 1774. Uh-oh. Go back, please. Yeah. First Continental Congress, September 7, 1774, Carpenter's Hall, Philadelphia. Prayer led by Dr. Jacob Duchesne, pastor of the Christ Church, Philadelphia. And he was requested to pray this at the First Continental Congress um, by Samuel Adams. And so I've asked James to come and, and pray that prayer just as it was prayed those many years ago. And let's join together in this prayer for our country. Let's pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, high and mighty King of kings and Lord of lords, who dost from thy throne behold all the dwellers on earth and reignest with power supreme and uncontrolled over all the kingdoms, empires, and governments, look down in mercy. We beseech thee on these our American states who have fled to thee from the rod of the oppressor and thrown themselves on thy gracious protection, desiring to be henceforth dependent only on thee. Be thou present, O God of wisdom, and direct the counsels of this honorable assembly. Shower down on them and the millions they represent such temporal blessings as thou seest expedient for them in this world and crown them with everlasting joy in the world to come. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ, thy Son and our Savior. Amen. America. By the way, take that uh, uh, connection card, and if you have any prayer requests or uh, any information you want us to know, you be sure and put that down, and, and the pastor and uh, staff will be diligent to pray with you over those things, and so please do that. Turn that in the offering plate. Well, as you can tell, we've uh, taken a segment to uh, honor our country, but you know, in a worship service, uh, you can take time to honor the country. But you got to take more time to honor the Lord. Amen? I remember um, Dr. Uh, uh, <laughs> Bruce Leafblad at seminary. Uh, he gave us a question one day. He said, the worship of Almighty God and blank. He said, your, your assignment this week is to fill in that blank. He goes, you're leading a worship service. What, fill, what, fills in, what goes in that blank? Mother's Day? Fourth of July? other events and after a week's long study we came to the conclusion nothing is worthy of that blank amen the worship of almighty god is supreme so yes we we want to say thank you to to those who serve our country and we want to we want to be proud of our country but we want to honor the lord today amen so let's just uh, give him praise our god is great our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Our 
the first time we sang this song, I think I told you this, when the first time I heard this song as a, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, I'm roughly six feet. I think I used to be six feet. Maybe now I'm a little bit shorter. But anyway, uh, I just felt like I stood just a little bit taller when I sung this song because of my confidence that it just, not in me, but the confidence that it just brings in my Lord. Whom shall I fear with God by our side? Have you ever seen the little Maybe it's a little cartoon, I think I've seen it in the past, where the little bear cub is standing in front of the big bad wolf, and the, and the bear cub is just not afraid at all. Now that wolf could tear him apart, right? But why is he not afraid? Because 800-pound Papa Bear is standing right behind him. Amen? And we've got, we've, we've got the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the, the King of all creation, standing by our side. Of whom shall we be afraid? You hear me when I call, you are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield. Troubles linger still. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. 
My strength is in His name. My strength is in Your name. For You alone can save. You will deliver me. Yours is the victory. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. Shall I fear? Whom then shall I fear? 
give praise to the God that it, it doesn't, uh, it's, it's not our ability to hold on to him. It's his ability to hold on to us. Amen. And, uh, but yet we like that little bear cub. Uh, we forget that, uh, 800 pound Papa bear is behind us sometimes and we get fearful, but our fear doesn't stand a chance. Amen. When we take hold of the courage that God gives us, I've asked Daniel to come and and share this song with us.
darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind Oh, I won't be shaken Oh, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance take our Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Today I want to talk to you about Christian courage. You're going to need your Bible today. All right? 
You're going to need to follow along. You may need to write down a reference and go back to it later because uh, you're going to have to listen fast in order to hear. All right? Okay, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. That's the first time this is mentioned in, in the verses that we have. It's going to be mentioned three times in all. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, the beginning of the book of Joshua should hit you as something that is stark and surprising. And why do I say that? Because beginning in Exodus, the first four books prior to Joshua is dominated by a man named Moses. Correctly? Correct? It is dominated by the mediator, Moses, between God and man. It's dominated by the deliverer himself, who the Lord God called to bring his people out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. Exodus 33:11 will remind us that Moses spoke face to face with God as a friend to another friend. Isn't that amazing? But what Joshua needs to understand is that life must go on without Moses. There is work to be done. So Joshua by this time is no young person. He is actually probably older than we might think, but life's work is not done. As a matter of fact, his greatest legacy is going to be in the future, what God is going to call him to do. So the words were spoken to Joshua by who? And this is where I'm laying the groundwork for Christian courage. Well, the words are given by the sovereign Lord of the universe, Yahweh God, whose name reveals his unchanging faithfulness and his covenantal promises. Uh, why can he give that covenant promise? Because he is immutable in his character. And his purposes will never change. And you cannot thwart the purposes of God. So it's Yahweh, Yahweh God speaking who is the sovereign Lord. Who gives his covenantal promise. And that promise will go through. He's got a perfect track record. He gives that promise. 
So this is almost like when you start a race. I think about old Barney Fife. He's the one that wanted to pull. You remember they were racing and Opie was racing? This is almost like the start of a race for him. The pistol just pow. And Joshua's off. And you think, well, that's really a fine how do you do for someone who's following up Moses. That would, like, that would be similar to following up Billy Graham if he pastored a church. Right? And here is Joshua. And he doesn't get a speech like, Joshua, just settle in for a little while. Take it easy. Wait about a year and get to know all your people. And then make sure you're a leader. No, that's not at all what God says. It's like preemptive. It's like now is the time to go. It's almost like the dam uh, is damming up the water. And God is saying it's time to hit the promised land. We're going to burst the dam. And we're going to go forth. And this is what Joshua's command actually is. It's time to enter the land. So the sovereign Lord is going to fulfill his repeated promise in the word of God that God would give the land to Abraham's descendants. And you can track back if you want to look at Genesis 17, 18. But here's what I want you to think about. The command is connected to the promise. Do y'all realize that? So when you think about theology, you must think that the indicatives are true before the command is true. If, if you don't get the indicatives of who God is and what his promise is, then you'll never fully understand the command. Nor can you obey unless you think about the promise. So the promise should still you in your heart. It should give you a nerve to be confident in the Lord to obey those commands because all of the indicatives about God are true. Right? And when he says these things to us, you can count on his faithfulness that he's going to come through. So the indicatives of who God is are first. And then he turns around. So in other words, the promises of God are first. You cling to those promises and thus you believe. So Joshua, he's not the author of the book of Joshua. He is the eponymous human hero that we have in the text. But this is about God. God is the hero. And it's all about receiving and passing on the word of God. There's a promise and there's a command. And it's there to deepen our faith and to, for lack of a better way of saying it, nerve us in our obedience. And I'm, 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 I'm going to testify to you. Christians are freaked out and scared today. And there's no nerve to our obedience. Where has that gone? Has God gotten off his throne? Are the promises of God still yes and amen and fulfilled in Jesus Christ? So I'm giving you a, an encouragement today to stand up and be bold and be confident and be courageous and stop cowering down. Right? Because we've got the promise of our God. And notice how he does this in Joshua. Just running through it for a moment. Listen to these promises. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to overcome your enemies. I'm going to be with you, Joshua, just like I was with Moses. In other words, divine origin the divine origin of his courage comes from God. So there's a difference in what we might say is natural courage or worldly courage. Uh, and I'll talk about that in just a few moments. But it is God's divine word that gives the courage. In other words, it's God's economy. In God's economy, there are no imperatives without indicatives. No commands without teaching how to actually obey. And it's all in the promises of God. So personal faith and courage... And an unswerving devotion uh, to live out the word of God has everything to do with the God who gives the command. Does that make sense? God has commanded it. And in the text it says day 
and night. In other words, you've got to observe what's in the book of God how often? Day and night. That doesn't mean that you don't go about your life and work. It doesn't mean that the Bible is sitting in your lap all day long. What this actually is is a Hebraism. That means there's never a moment when whatever decision has to be made, the book of God must be in the driver's seat of our lives. It must be in the driver's seat of our church. So, we can have all the intellectual uh, and accurate understanding of theology but we can also let that translate into a lack of obedience if we're not careful, right? We can't let that happen as a society and as a church. We've got to be motivated to act and to move. So there's something about courage that attracts us. When I read the book of Joshua, I'm like, yes, your, your enemies will not overcome you. You're going to succeed because God says it. And we love to see courage lived out, don't we? Courage is a theme that fills our books, and our movies. And some of my favorite stories of history have to do with courage. And I believe the reason we're attracted so much to courage is because God has wired us in such a way, uh, because the image of God is in us, we want to think about courage. We want to see courage enacted. We want to follow those stories. R.L. Dabney was a famous military chaplain. And James probably knows this, right? As a military chaplain, he actually preached Stonewall Jackson's memorial service. And the title of the funeral sermon was True Courage. Don't you like that? In his sermon, he identifies three kinds of courage. The first, he called animal courage. That means uh, the man is courageous because he simply refuses to reflect. In other words, we don't even think about the consequences of anything. We just, we fail to reflect and we just act in an animalistic type way. So the man is courageous Simply because he's kind of blind in a way. He's bold because he's blind. The second one is the courage of personal honor. We're controlled by a sense of pride and fear of reproach. In some ways, this courage flows out of the fact that we like to be applauded. We want the applause of accomplishing some kind of feat. So this also involves the fear of being ridiculed as a coward. I mean, who wants to stand there and someone say, you coward, because you didn't act? Uh, we may also add to this the point that there is something called the courage of compassion. Someone may be in danger, and we act because there's a personal threat upon the individual, and we act for that person's good. But Dabney gives a third category, which is vitally important for understanding Christian courage, and he called it moral courage. And this is what we might call Christian courage. And here's what he says. The one that fears God and for that reason fears nothing else. There are certain spiritual principles that undergird Christian courage. And I think he hit the nail on the head. The one that fears God <clears throat> and for that reason he, feels, he fears nothing else. Everything begins in Christian courage with the understanding of all of this in us comes from a divine origin. It comes from our God. So just having compassion for an individual... That certainly reflects the image of God. However, it is not necessarily Christian courage <clears throat> or Christ-centered courage. We know that there are some spiritual dynamics at work when it comes to Christian courage, don't we? Conviction, faith, hope, love, zeal. Those things are in us because of the fact that Jesus lives in us. Let me show you Deuteronomy 31. 
I told you you had to turn the scriptures, the pages of scripture. Listen to chapter 31, verse 23. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, this sound familiar? Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to you that I would give them. I will be with you. So Moses is about to die uh, upon Mount Nebo, and he's speaking these words to the second generation. Why? Because the first generation perished in the wilderness, and he's speaking to the second generation, and he reminds them, God has given you a promise. All right. Notice verse 6 of chapter 31. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land. There it is again. And of course, we already read verse 23. And this ends up being repeated how? Verbatim. When you come to Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. This is the exhortation that is given. There are many of these same principles given in the Psalms. Psalm 27. And once you get there, don't leave too fast. Because I'm going to give you another one in Psalm. Psalm 27. Building a case for Christian courage is what we're doing. Chapter 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You should be able to flip over one page to Psalm 31, verse 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And one of my favorite texts, Isaiah 35. This is Bible Drill Sunday. How are you doing so far? Isaiah 35. You should be acquainted very well with your Bible. Shouldn't we? Isaiah 35, verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Repeated theme. This is actually the song that they sing in the book of Isaiah. The anxious are to take courage and not fear. Allow me to give you one more in the Old Testament, and you'll be familiar with this. You should thump your Bible, and it will jump open to Daniel, right? Daniel chapter 10. We're going to get back there, by the way, people. Listen to chapter 10, verse 18. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Now, this is a, no doubt a predominant theme in the Old Testament. Well, how about the New Testament? I'm going to give you a break and not ask you to turn to all of them. But listen to Matthew 9. Jesus is going to go in. He's going to heal the paralytic man. And listen to what he says. Take heart. Take courage, my son. Notice this. Your sins are forgiven. Doesn't that seem to be strange that he connects taking courage with sins being forgiven? We're going to unpack that in a few moments. You will certainly remember the disciples freaking out because there's a storm. And they're going to freak out even more when the Lord Jesus Christ comes walking on the water. 
And they're wondering, who in the world is this? And he says to them, what? Take courage, it is I. Same reference. John 16, You should know this. In the world you have tribulation. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. Acts, I'm going to make you read this one. See it before you. If you'll turn there, Acts 4.31. I thought about preaching this sermon on a Sunday night, but guess what? We don't have Sunday night, so you're getting it today, right? Chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, notice we're going to build on these in a few moments. Don't forget what we're saying. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with Boldness. That's the equivalent New Testament word to be strong and to be courageous. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Again, if you can't turn there, please just write them down and you can go back and read them. Chapter 6, verse 19. Listen to how Paul prays. And also for me that words may be given to me in in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Let me point out two things that are important. People in in chapter 1 of Philippians were actually emboldened because of Paul's courage. Do you know that how you live your life in courage affects others? That's actually going to be pointed out in a few moments. But the second thing I want you to see is that he prays for this full courage in his life. Check this out. So that Christ would be honored in his life. In other words, there's a connection with being courageous for Christ and and Christ being honored in your life. And then one more in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. So what's going on? He leaves Philippi under duress for preaching the gospel. He's being persecuted. He's suffering. And those, if you read the book of Acts, those same people that are persecuting him go with him to Thessalonica. He only makes it three years and three weeks in Thessalonica, and they run him out of town. So here's the deal, folks. The very thing that got Paul kicked out of Philippi is the very same thing he's willing to do with boldness when he gets to Thessalonica. And he asked the Lord to give him the strength and to give him this boldness. Here was his track record. We preached Christ. We suffered. We were mistreated. We were run out of town. But did this stop Paul from being bold? How much does it take Americans to stop being bold? Maybe one raindrop on a Sunday morning. And you're just washed out. Right? Just think about it, folks. It's the the truth. But look at his track record. No, they are actually more bold to speak the gospel. Not just Paul, but everybody around him was encouraged. Your courage makes a difference when it comes to others. Now, folks, just think about the examples. If, we, if this was a Sunday night, I would say, give me some biblical examples of people who walked in courage. And no doubt you would talk about Paul. We would talk about Daniel, right? We're preaching through Daniel. We would talk about Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah amazes me because this dude preached for 40 years and never had one convert. His family members and everybody else in the town wanted to hang him in the streets because he preached the word of God. And he's also honest. At one time he says, Lord, I give up in chapter 15. But then what he, you know what he says? He said, I can't give up because the word of God is in my bones like a fire. And I've got to speak it. He wanted to quit. But he couldn't. Why? Because there was a divine origin inside of Jeremiah that would not let him be quiet. We could talk about David. I'm telling you, folks, David was a man's man. You can't read about this dude without being encouraged. But remember, David sums up his courage. He says, the battle belongs to the Lord. All right, let me give you another verse. Proverbs 28.1. Listen close. Are y'all listening? The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I like that. Come on, folks. Wake up. This, you act more like the 11 o'clock crowd. All right? That's a good verse. Just look at our world. Think about this. The wicked run and flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We're missing this in our day. Now, let's sum it up. Piper, John Piper says, Christian courage is the willingness to say and do the right thing regardless of the earthly cost because God's promises, God promises to help us and save us on the account of Christ. That's good, right? We do and we say what we are called to do. We have a willingness to do this because we're not worried about the earthly cost here. There's a prize in heaven that's so much bigger than anything this earth can offer you. And thus we do it on, on the count of Christ. Now listen, Christian courage can cause physical suffering. It can also cause mental anguish. Pastors deal with this a lot because we preach the truth and we stick to the scripture. And some nitwit's going to come up and say to us, well, I'm not sure about that. Well, show me why that's not true. And then they will, well, I don't know the Bible like you do. Well, learn the Bible and then come back and let's talk, right? It's unbelievable uh, the amount of mental anguish that pastors go through and people give that to them. But yet then they can't show you in the Bible why that's not true. Isn't that amazing? Now, the fact of the matter is we should be. Look, there's controversy that comes with being courageous. How many of us have sat still when you knew you should have said something? And you knew you should have acted. And your heart is crying out, you good for nothing, coward. Have y'all been there? Oh, there's been many times when I did speak. But there's been times when my heart just screamed to me. We are hit with, if you do not confess me before men then I will not confess you before my Father who is in heaven. You ever been hit with that? You're welcome, right? Have you? Oh, my goodness. So courage has nothing to do with physical stature. Has nothing to do with our ability to do some difficult or amazing things. Courage is something that is in the heart. It can be in the heart of a child. It can be in the heart of a full-grown, robust man. It can be in the heart of a 90-year-old little woman. It can be in the heart... Of the youngest and the oldest. Let's bring this teaching to light. Okay, rapid fire. Y'all ready? I know what the clock says. And I know what the bulletin looks like. But it's not going to take long. Number one, Christian courage comes from the knowledge of God's presence and his promises. Did we not hear this in, in Joshua? 
Did we not hear this all the way through the Bible? Knowledge of God's presence and his promises. What we see in both Deuteronomy and Joshua 1, after the exhortation of being strong and courageous, that's sandwiched there, I will be with you like Moses, and he turns right around, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't fret and look around for the next source of danger. I'm telling you, we've getting, we're getting smashed at every corner in the United States of America right now to fret over the next coming danger. True Christian courage comes from knowing God and knowing that He will be with us. Hebrews 13.5 is that famous text, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know when that was said first? It was said from Moses, from God and Moses, to Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Daniel 11.32, we have a great verse, and I'm going to preach that in weeks to come. Those who know their God will take heart and do great exploits. That's in the midst of tribulation. Are we in the midst of tribulation in America? Oh, you better believe it. And it's going to get a whole lot worse. People who know their God. That sounds like the righteous will be as bold as a lion, right? The people who know their God, Daniel says, will take great courage and do great exploits for God. Even in the midst of tribulation, you will act because you know God is with you. Number two, Christian courage is motivated by seeking the Lord, worshiping, and obeying the Lord. It flows out of that kind of life. Second Chronicles 20 is the story of Jehoshaphat. He's facing an invasion. He's afraid. By the way, when you're afraid, what do you need? Courage. So what does he do? Classic text. Jehoshaphat seeks the Lord. He worships the Lord. He his, his fear is looking at the circumstances that threaten him apart from faith. So in chapter 20, God helps him reorient his life from fear to faith. And it's manifested in Jehoshaphat seeking God and worshiping the Lord. And then what does he do? He ends up being the very source of encouragement to an entire nation that God will act upon their behalf. Why? Because he just decided, let's seek God. Let's worship God. And when you do, you stand up with Christian courage. Number three, Christian courage comes from faith and hope in the Lord. Psalm 56 speaks of this truth. I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time, but please look at Psalm 56, verse 3. It's going to be repeated in Psalm 56, 9 through 11. And actually, it literally says this, God is for me. Don't you need to hear that? It sounds like Romans. If God be for me, then who can be against me? So it comes from faith and hope in the Lord. We have confidence in our God. We trust Him and His Word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Number four. Christian courage comes from knowing that God is sovereign and has His purposes. Are you convinced that God is sovereign? If you are, it creates in us a sense of Christian courage. I think confidence that our God is providentially governing all things, even the details of your life, it ought to give you peace and comfort, and it ought to remove fear, and it ought to give you courage in its place. We mentioned Stonewall Jackson before. One of his famous statements is about the very thing of the sovereignty of God. One of his captains asked him, why don't you flinch at all on the battlefield? 
And Stonewall says, my religious belief teaches me to feel as safe in battle as I do in bed. He went on to say, God has fixed the time of my death. I do not concern myself with that, but to be ready when it may overtake me. Now, folks, listen. You know you're convinced of the absolute sovereignty of God when you can say whether I'm in battle or in bed, I am equally safe. Do you honestly believe that you are invincible till God finishes his purpose on earth with you? You are. You are. If you're a child of God, you are invincible. Uh, the Psalms, the good news is this. You're not going to die one day later than God intends for you to die. But the bad news is you're not going to live one day longer than God intends for you to live. Right? Do we have that kind of confidence in the midst of COVID-19? Do we? Folks, you've got to get over this because it's going to get much, much, much worse. Jesus says it. Read Matthew 24. It's going to get, it's going to be hell on earth. You can mark her down. And my question is, where is the Christian courage? Where is it? It comes from faith and hope in God, but it also comes from knowing that our God is sovereign. I could read you 50 I could probably read you 10,000 verses right now. Not, maybe not that many. But thousands of verses that speak of the sovereignty of God over your life. Do we believe it or not? I, I realize we're human and we fear. But folks, I hope you're understanding that God is absolutely sovereign over your life. Number five, Christian courage comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens in the book of Acts? They were filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they did what? Spoke the word with boldness. Now listen, are there times, are there not times when we feel anxious and we know something is about to happen? But what it, who lives in us? The Holy Spirit of God. And he brings peace and he brings calm and he strengthens our faith so that we have the courage to face whatever life is going to bring us that day. But also boldness to speak. I mean, it wasn't the easiest time for Paul and Peter and all the people in the book of Acts to speak the word of God they suffered imprisonment. They could be put to death. But yet they had boldness to speak. So I'm encouraging you about something. To be filled with the Spirit means that you're controlled by the Lord. It doesn't mean going to a gas station and filling up your gas tank. I'm just low on the Spirit today. I need to be filled. That's not the biblical term for being filled with the Spirit. As a matter of fact, it's a continuous action verb. And it means that you are continually controlled by God. Listen, folks, when you are continually controlled by God and filled with the Spirit, then you walk in Christian courage. That's an evidence of the fact that you're filled with the very Spirit of God. So I may ask you, are you filled with the Spirit? And you can honestly say to me, I don't think God is controlling my life right now because I'm not letting Him have my life. Right? Being filled with the Spirit is not you getting more of God. It's God getting all of you. So are you yielding to Him? If you're yielding to Christ... And his Holy Spirit, and he's leading and controlling your life, then you're going to be a man or woman of Christian courage. You will be. Now, God may have to break you to get you there. He may use COVID-19 to wake you up to your senses. But I'm telling you, it will lead you to being courageous. Number six, Christian courage comes from being forgiven. Is it an accident that Jesus tells the paralytic, once he heals him physically, go thy way, thy sins have been forgiven? What is the connection? With being healed here? Or, or what is the connection of being forgiven, but yet take courage? Have you ever thought about that? 
why did he say your sins are forgiven you now take courage? I think there's a simple connection. Unforgiven sin is the, is the greatest source of fearing death. Unforgiven sin is the source of the fear of dying. It's no wonder why the most terrified people I've ever been around in the ministry that were dying and that they were actually terrified are people who had never professed Jesus as Lord. I've been there. I've been there many, many times in the ministry. They fight against the encroaching death. To know that you're, you are forgiven by Jesus Christ takes away the fear of death and it gives you strength and it gives you courage. Number seven, Christian courage is stimulated by the example of others. You learn this by church history, don't we? Uh, what about Athanasius? How many of you have ever read anything about Athanasius? You know who this guy was? He was an early church bishop in the 300s. He actually stood up against all the other bishops at a council. He alone believed what the Bible said. And the rest of them had succumbed to something called Arianism, taken from a dude named Arius, who started to teach that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was made by the Father. So in other words, he denied the Trinity. You got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You realize if it, were not, had, if it had not been for Athanasius standing up when he stood up, you would all be Jehovah Witnesses today. Because that's what they believe. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God equal with the Father. Praise God for Athanasius, right? You need to read about him. One man stood up. Uh, one bishop said to Athanasius, The world is against you, Athanasius. And Athanasius said, If the world is against Athanasius, then Athanasius is against the world. Amen? That's how we ought to stand. We think of Martin Luther. We think of John Knox. We think of missionaries like Jim Elliot, who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We need that kind of courage and boldness. We desperately need Christian models today of people who will live courageous Christian lives. Number eight, Christian courage is humble, not proud. Is that important? When you see pride infused, then you can take it to, bank, to the bank. That's not Christian courage. Uh, we all heard about Peter's great confession last week, right? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're like, go, Peter. You got it right. That is awesome that you said that. But on another occasion, he boasts of his courage, doesn't he? Lord Jesus, if every one of these disciples leave you, I'm not going to do it. As a matter of fact, I will die for you. And Jesus says something like this, liar, liar, tunic on fire. <laughs> right? But he says, look, as soon as that cock crows, you will have already denied me thrice. Oh, my goodness. Christian courage is not filled with pride. Christian courage is infused with humility because we realize it's all about God. Right? We put that in our, down our hallways. Our, our purpose is to glorify God, right? And, and that has to be foremost in our minds. And so when it comes to Christian courage, like William Plummer once said, when we lay hold of God, we are undergirded with omnipotence. But when we are left to ourselves, we are as weak as water. Isn't that true? If we're acting in his courage, in his might, then we have an omnipotence to the power of God in us. But when it's all about us, you're going to be as weak as water. Now, concluding, we summarize this by saying Christian courage is a matter of conviction and zeal based on the knowledge of God and his word. 
It's living out this sense of conviction and zeal that is based on the knowledge of the Word of God. Okay? These are not in your notes. But this is going to be the end of the sermon. I'm going to land the plane. You ready? The call to Christian courage is both active and passive. What do I mean by that? Well, William Plummer says active courage leads to bold deeds. It's doing something courageous because of faith. And don't we need that active courage? But passive courage is not moved by fear in times of peril or suffering. Now, is that not something that we think about in response to the epidemic, pandemic that we're in in our country and all the other things going on? In other words, passive courage is this. It is a courage that compels us to act. That's active courage. But passive courage is, is a courage that compels us to simply hold fast and not be moved. In other words, there's two sides of that. Active courage acts upon faith and convictions and moves and acts. But passive courage makes us hold fast to what we believe. And we say we will not be moved by what's going on in our world. Number two, we need Christian courage to do what is right and good. In other words, the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need the courage today. Young people, we need the courage to do the right thing. You're called by God to be strong and courageous. But I will say, more importantly... And I'm not picking out, I'm not being sexist, but I'm just telling you, more importantly, we need young men that understand that this is a consistent call to your life every single day. We need to hear this. Why? Because if I'm honest with you, what's killing America is weak-minded and weak-willed men. Look at all the stats across the board. That's what's going on. Passivity among our men. So I'm telling you, God calls you to do the right thing even in the face of pressure to do the wrong thing. Are y'all listening? God calls you to do the right thing even in the face and pressure of doing the wrong thing. If you will seek the Lord, depend on Him, be confident in His presence with you, you'll be strong and courageous in times of temptation. Listen, kids, in times of peer pressure, in times where people are coercing you to do the wrong thing. We need kids that will stand up and do the right thing, even when we're being coerced to do the wrong thing. Number three, we need Christian courage to endure hardship and suffering. There are times in the midst of suffering that God brings an amazing amount of strength to our faith, doesn't he? And when he does, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit of God. It is. Do you know that your life is in his hands? And even when you suffer, and even when you're persecuted for the cause of Christ, you need to understand that God is with you. Remember? It has not been granted only for you to be a child of God. It's also been granted to you to suffer for his name. Philippians 1. The same gift of salvation is accompanied with something else. The gift of suffering. And God will get you through that. Suffering requires endurance. And it needs courage. Number four, we need courage to face opposition and persecution. Um, it's real, isn't it? It's real in our days. How many of us would have ever believed that we would see what's happening right now four months ago in this great nation that we live in? It's July 5th, isn't it? We just sang songs about that in our service. You just shot fireworks last night. We, we celebrated freedoms that we enjoy. Who, in the, who would have ever believed in four months we would be where we are today as a nation? Well, you may have noticed, but as the church has come into focus, again, the courts have not been a friend to us in their decisions. Is that an accident? As we've, prolonged, as we've gone through these four months, when anything has come up to do with the church, who ends up on the out? 
Folks, that's not an accident. Right? Don't think for a moment that this world really likes having us around. If you're a believer. It's just not the case. I hope you understand that this is only a precursor for things getting worse. If you look at the trajectory of our world in light of the Bible, it's not good. Y'all agree? Guess what we will need? You will need courage. Just like in the book of Revelation, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by their word of the testimony, and loving not their lives even to the end. We leave We live today in a culture where the opportunity for opposition is all around us if you live for Christ. And some of us may feel that more acutely aware than others, but mark my words, we will all feel it more acutely in the future. Number five, last one. We need Christian courage to speak the gospel and truth today. We need the courage to speak things that are right and true, even in a culture that says if you do that, you're bigoted. Right? If you speak truth and you speak what is right, you're going to be called a bigot. We need the courage to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life to a culture that says that sounds like bigotry and hate speech. I don't care what it sounds like. That's what the Bible says. This is one where I don't have to say, I believe. I can say, this is what the Bible actually says. John 14, 6. I am the way, the way, definite article. The truth, definite article. I am the way, the truth, the life. And no man will come to the Father except through me. There's absolutely only one way of salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ the Lord. And we need the boldness to say it. We need the boldness to speak it. We need the courage to say that God made man as male and female. Period. Do you have the boldness to say that today? God made man as male and female. Period. We need to be willing to say marriage is between a man and a woman. Period. Do we have the boldness, Christian courage, to say what the Bible says? We need to have the courage to say that all homosexuality is an abomination to God. Period. That's not hate speech. That's the Bible. We believe that God can save any homosexual anywhere in this world right now. God has the power to save. But it doesn't negate the fact that homosexuality is a sin. It's a perversion of human nature. And it's not of God. We need the courage to say that all abortion is murder. Do all lives really matter? What about the baby in the womb that the left say does not matter? Really? Do you understand how hypocritical that is? To say that one life matters and we've killed 52 million people in this world through abortion. 52 million babies. We need the boldness and the courage to say that abortion is murder. And we're going to stand for life, to say these things used to reflect the consensus of belief in our nation is a past conclusion. It's not the consensus today. We need to train our children to be courageous. Fathers, you need to raise your boys to be men. Did y'all hear the statement? You need to raise your boys to be men. Our culture seeks to rob manhood from our boys. You know what they want? They want little boys to feel ashamed for making a pretend gun and playing cops and robbers. You're supposed to be ashamed for being a little boy, right? 
They want them to feel ashamed for standing up for their little sister on the playground. And they get into a little scuffle and come home with a black eye. I like Opie's black eye. Right? Nothing wrong with that. They want your boys to feel ashamed because they're boys. Don't let this culture encroach upon the manhood of your boys. Raise them to be men of Christian courage founded upon the truth of the Word of God. And I don't know if I might get in trouble for this, but I'm telling you folks, we're overrun by feminized men in the U.S. That has to change. It has to change. Raise your boys to be men, but most importantly, raise your boys to be men of God. Boy, I had a lot to say, didn't I? Whew, I'm just glad I got through those eight points and five subpoints, right? I hope you hear my heart this morning. Oh, friends, we need courage today. We've got to have Christian courage. You can't walk in fear. Uh, I have to be honest with you. I've been a little disappointed through some of this pandemic. I really have. I've been disappointed sometimes at statements I hear Christians make. Folks, either you believe in the sovereignty of our God or you don't. Either you believe what God says in his word or you don't. And I'm not throwing off on being careful. I, I get that. But I also get that what the word of God says is truth. Dr. Fauci doesn't know what the Bible says. Okay? I get that. But folks, we have one great physician. We have one sovereign God. So don't be struck in fear. Walk in Christian courage. Father, we love you. And we thank you for loving us. And Lord, we, we realize that pestilence and flu and COVID-19 and things like... Lord, it's not new. Father, it's been around for 2,000 years. It's been around for millenniums ago. Lord, but you're in control. We must believe and know that nothing comes into this world or into the lives of your people that you don't control. You control all things. God, give us courage to stand. Give us boldness to know that either in the bed or on the battlefield, we are under your control. God, help us. Help us to be a church of courage. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. It's been a great day. It's a little late. It's 15 after. So you got to get out of here. No. No, I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. God is good. Brother David. Amen. Hey, let's uh, stand. We'll let the ushers let you out one row at a time, okay? And let's sing together as we go. Oh, no, you never let go. Sing to the Lord. Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh, no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. God bless you this week.